Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message to all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. For those that are new, I refer you right now just to check out my website at ultimatemeaning.com where you will find a flip book which has writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me that is highlighted with a lot of red print, which are links to very amazing and profound YouTube videos that show the reality of what I am sharing here from many fields of science and archeology. span These are exceptional videos and you will be amazed at what you see there as well as read. For it presents the fullness of the good news that has been from the very beginning of this world from the time of Adam and Eve till now and shall continue. And that good news is that there is one true eternal God who is the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love. That is the message that I am sharing. And for those that are new, this is only found through coming to know this ultimate perfection and manifestation of love, who is the one true eternal God. As it says in John 17, and this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This message is to the body of Christ. It is given prophetically. That doesn't mean that everything I say is perfect and coming from God. But the word of God commands us in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We are to seek when we gather together to allow God by his spirit to speak through us to one another. That is what was the case in the beginning in the early church at the very beginning, it says that when they came together, they came together and they all participated. It describes that. One has a psalm, one has a word of exhortation, one has a prophetic word, and so on. That is what we are to do. I want to amplify on that verse. It also says in Revelations 19.10, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when we worship God out of a pure heart in great reverence and humility and love for God, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances that are prophetic in the sense that the words that are coming forth come forth beyond ourselves in the spirit of God, whether it be a testimony or an exhortation or an actual prophetic word or a song that just comes. I've been in a church where they uh, facilitate that. There's very few these days that do. And you can be there and everyone's just finished singing a song and then there's stillness before God and you sense the spirit of God rising from your inner being up to your mouth and you know you're supposed to speak, but you know not always exactly what. You may have a theme or a crystal thought of what God is wanting, an impression. And then you speak it forth either in a song and lo and behold, it becomes a beautiful sounding song that can even be poetic that you didn't even try to make up. 
This is what needs to be restored to the church in these last days. And it does say in the word of God in Acts, the book of Acts, I believe it's around chapter four, it says concerning Jesus Christ, whom the heavens must receive until the restitution of all things. We are living in the last days before the return of Christ and in that time when God will bring forth his corporate bride from many backgrounds to come into the fullness that is the restitution, the restoration of all things. This message, therefore, I seek to speak out of a heart set and a mindset of worship so that I speak prophetically to the body of Christ for this particular hour of great crisis in the world. And today is September the 7th, pardon me, the 16th of 2022 on Friday. So I do something, I cast lots to get a particular chapter with two independent random applications. So there's the possibility of any chapter when I use this random application on the internet and I have two of them. So I get two chapters and those chapters many times very clearly bear witness with each other as to the theme. Other times it's very Hard to know what the theme is, but when you meditate, to your surprise, you find even more of a message often when the theme is more hidden in those two chapters. And so it has a surgenic effect in releasing the word of God and allowing and facilitating God to speak what he is wanting to speak through us. In other words, to speak as the oracles of God. And I want to share those two chapters I received today. I haven't been sharing as much because I am working with great diligence to finish a book because I'm in a very weak financial situation at the time. And this book I've been working on for some time is almost done. And it is on the evidence of life after death from, well, it's not just on that, but it's on the afterlife. Let's put it that way. I think I know what the theme will be, but I won't mention it until it's actually published and up there on Amazon. And um, so I am preaching this message despite the many other things that have been of more significant pressure in my life at this time. Also, I choose a song from a hymn book of 1,080 hymns by the casting of Lot. And so I want to sing with you that song. These songs are in my on my webpage at loverealize.com, many, many most of them, which were chosen by the casting of Lot are, are there on a playlist because I only choose the ones that have the words in it on YouTube with very beautiful music. And so today... We will sing the song, and you will also find it on my website at loverealize.com. You can use it with a projector if you can play a YouTube video on your projector uh, because they all have the words. And, of course, however, other way, just if you want to, you know, put it on random or, you know, it'll go, and you can just listen to these 
very accept I'm very fussy I don't allow just any song they have to have great meaning in the words and beautiful congregational singing and so we will sing this particular song that was received by the casting of Lot now so here we'll bring it up and get that song on its way here very soon <laughs>
wonderful, wonderful. Oh, the name of Jesus. What is there in the name of Jesus? It is the very ultimate perfection of the being of God's love expressed to us on our limited creature level and when we perceive the reality of who the one true eternal God is expressed to us all that was in that song becomes so real, so precious. And I just want to emphasize for any of those that are new, if you don't understand who Jesus is yet, I want you to make it clear that he is fully God, communicated on a creature level. Fully God. You see, there is only one true eternal God. But for God to be God, he must be in three personages in order to rule over the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation as the Father, God the Father. Beyond time and space, beyond creation, the originator, that's what the word Father means. Jesus Christ in Hebrews 1.3 is defined as the full expression of God the Father. He is the full expression of the being of God into the creation realm to experience fellowship with his creation in this limited creature level that we are in, in this present physical third dimension, which is a very low dimension compared to other higher dimensions of existence. Uh, in particular, when we die if we die in our physical body as believers and we find ourselves in the kingdom of heaven that's what my book is on a lot of it and so then the, the other aspect of existence is omnipresence which is the holy spirit of god in omnipresence filling every dimension of time and of existence within the creation realm and beyond with god the father so one God simultaneously must be in three personages to be in governance over the three ultimate aspects of existence. Now, I just want to um, share with you what I have received from the Word of God today. And I will say that the last few times... It has been very difficult to perceive through the casting of Lot the theme until you have that faith and you continue to pursue until you find that theme. This happens sometimes. And so I will share with you that I received today Exodus 30 and Deuteronomy 29. Now it's amazing because I already received Exodus 30 this week, earlier, um, three days ago. And yesterday also, I um, didn't give a message. And I couldn't perceive the theme, but when I began to search again, I found an amazing theme. And I was going to give the message, but didn't yesterday. So I might want to 
speak a bit on the message from yesterday, although I did give the message, I believe, maybe before that. No, I didn't. I didn't give the message before that either, which was um, on Isaiah 54. And then I cast lots again and got Isaiah 55. But my, I could share a lot on these things. But I'm just going to go with, first of all, touching on what I received yesterday. Now, I received First Chronicles 1. And here it's just a list of genealogies. But within that genealogy, as I pursued, I came across two statements that weren't the genealogy. And that is in 110, where it says, Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty man upon the earth. And then in verse 19, it says, And unto Eber were born two sons. Now the word Eber means purity. And the name of the one was Peleg, which means divide, separate, like a channel, because in his days the earth was divided. And his brother's name was Joktan, which means, uh, not, I'm trying to just uh, gather together. It means, Joktan, if I remember right, means um, something to do. I'll get it here in a minute. It means um, small, small. That was it. How do those words fit together? If there's significance in them, there is, because when I cast lots that day, the other chapter I received was 2 Corinthians 1. And in 2 Corinthians 1, I don't even know if I have a verse here. Yes, I do. There are certain things that stood out to me in 2 Corinthians 1. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, 7 to 9, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God that raises the dead. You see, they had to be, they were brought to a place where they even despaired of living. Now, that might not seem to relate to what I just shared, but let me just put together some more things on what I just shared on these three names and what they mean. Purity, and out of purity, we have the word peleg, meaning separation, divide, and we have the name joktan, meaning small. Because the other chapter, because I was finding it difficult to see the insight into what God was saying, I cast lots and got a third chapter, which was Amos 7. And amazingly, today I got Amos 1. But uh, Amos 7. And something stood out to me in Amos 7. And it was the word small. Because that's the meaning of the word joktan. It is the word small. And here it says, in, for example, in 7, 2, and 3, And it came to pass that when they had made an end of eating the grass of the land, 
Then I said, O Lord God, forgive, I beseech thee, by whom shall Jacob arise? God is showing different judgments that he might decide to bring upon Israel. And the prophet here is standing in the gap, and he says, By whom shall Jacob arise? For he is small. And the Lord repented, For this it shall not be, saith the Lord. Do you not see how weak Jacob is? Do you not see him in his weakness? Yes, he's he sinned and he deserves these judgments. God, he hasn't become, as it were, Israel. Remember, God had to take the deception out of Jacob and he corners him with Esau to the point that he's so desperate that he ends up having God actually wrestle with him in a theophany. That is that Jesus Christ appeared in human form to him as he did to Abraham and others before he was incarnated into this world. Jacob prevailed with God because he wouldn't give up, but he had that revelation of God. And here, Jacob is in his weakness. In Corinthians, they're despairing of life. In a sense, they're being cornered to a place where they feel so weak and helpless that they feel very small in their weakness before God. But where is God's strength made perfect? In our weakness, in our helplessness, in our smallness, as it were. And God is wanting to purify his people. And sometimes he allows trials and testings to come into our lives that corner us to a place of absolute weakness where we feel like God's rejecting us, like we're like almost like we think, oh God, you must hate me. And, and we feel really small, insignificant, a place of insignificance. And we cry out of that insignificance in desperation and God comes through. And then we find his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so it is that God is calling his people in this hour to know his might and his power and his authority in our lives. Oh, thank you, Lord. the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so today, I just want to share also what I received from the Word of God. I earlier received Exodus 30 this week, three days ago. And that is about God tabernacling among his people. And then I received Deuteronomy 29. And in Deuteronomy 29, This is about God making a covenant with the children of Israel. And it says that thou shouldst enter into covenant with the Lord thy God and into his oath, which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that he may be a God unto thee, as he hath said unto thee, and as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God. Who that is, I do not know. Maybe it's 
the Gentiles, and also with him that is not here with us this day. And he goes on in verse 28. So God's making a covenant, and he mentions here in Deuteronomy 29, the severe judgments that will come on Israel if they do not keep his covenant. And in Amos 1, which is the other chapter I got today, that you see those severe judgments that came upon Israel. But then if you go and you look at the end of Amos, you see what the purpose is. Because God is basically announcing in Amos judgments upon the nation at that time and a whole series of them throughout all those chapters. But in the end, the Lord is mentioning his purpose in allowing those judgments. But here, Israel is making a covenant. But here's the thing that stands out to me. In verse, I'm going back now to verse, uh, not the last chapter of Amos, but uh, Deuteronomy 29. And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. That's speaking of Israel. And then it makes this statement. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now, what was the thing that caused Israel to stumble time and time again to break the covenant of God? It was the enemy tempting them to not be pure. Remember the word Eber means pure and his two sons, Joktan and Peleg. In the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. When we're living a pure lives, we separate ourselves from those things that are impure. In fact, as we come into a close relationship with God, they become abhorrent to us because we see the emptiness of those things. As it says in the word, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And when you really know the truth because it's really dwelling in you and you've become conformed to it through learning to abide in a love relationship with God through a life of prayer and abiding, these things become abhorrent to you. But at first, you may not experience that. You are needing to learn by faith to die to the temptation of those things. And with Israel, the thing that stumbled them time and time again was the beautiful women, such as the women of Moab, that they started to want to have relationships with, and then you want to be friends because you fall in love with a woman, and then you want to marry her, and then you start to buy in to these idolatrous practices. But the Lord emphasized the importance of being totally separate, not marrying these people. But the other thing that is here in this verse that is so significant about the secret things is that the enemy will use their temptations of curiosity like he did with Eve. Oh, you'll become a god. And so these people will say, oh, you should see there's these amazing mysteries and secrets I can show that you, you that you can have. You'll have all kinds of powers when you you partake of these things. Oh, it's it's not really 
God will accept it. It's not really idolatry. No, it's not that. We don't, don't worry. It's, it's very, we have very pure intentions. And what we do is just to have power, you know. And so people want to know secrets. They want to go and they fall into the trap of things like the early church fell into of Gnosticism. Oh, knowledge. We want to learn knowledge that puffs up. Remember, Paul came not in the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. It doesn't mean that we don't have wisdom and speak with great knowledge and insight. But those things are tempered with relationship with God that is always out of the genuine fear of God that births honesty and humility. And so God, when we enter in to a pure relationship with God, we also enter into a place where we feel small before God, not in the sense of God not loving us and not rejecting us, and rejecting us as the enemy would condemn us and our own heart would condemn us, but we feel small before God in the sense that we realize without him we can do nothing, that he is our source for everything. And so we love him the more in our awareness of that. And that's what is out of the genuine fear of God. It says in Isaiah, I believe it is chapter 33 or 35, probably chapter 33, I believe. It says concerning the Messiah that the fear of the Lord is his treasure because the fear of the Lord is reciprocating the name of God expressed to you, the being of God expressed to you and recognizing it. The fear of God is a choice to recognize God for who he truly is, that he is ultimately trustworthy. And there's only one quality that he can be recognized with that allows that recognition of ultimate trustworthiness, unlike Eve, who bought into the doubt of the enemy and lost the genuine fear of God because she failed to recognize the holiness of God, which is the integrity of God's love that judges all that is contrary to his love. The integrity of God's love is as a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love, love being that quality that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice, because any lesser choice is such would have a measure of corruption in it. The holiness of God is severe against corruption. It is the antithesis of corruption, the opposite of corruption. It is a consuming fire of judgment. And it is easy to wrongly perceive the holiness of God so that we begin to have a warped, idolatrous perception of who God is like Cain did. And when you have that, you look at God as some tyrant or dictator or some all-powerful one that demands appeasement. And you lose sight of the fact that the holiness of God is good because it ensures goodness, because the only thing that can ensure goodness in our life is judgment on corruption, which is what destroys goodness. What? It is because of the holiness of God. And so it is in the holiness of God that we see how small we are, how we cannot in our own strength even out of ourselves keep the law. We, we recognize our dependence in God and say, God, it's not in me, but I ask you for grace and strength to love you this day more than I ever have before in my life. 
And yes, I will be fully persuaded in who you are and your holiness, that it is beautiful, that it is good. And out of that springs the awareness of the glory of God, that his love is so great that he would come down and suffer more than you, a mere creature, and suffer more than you, a mere creature, as a perfect substitutionary sacrifice on the cross so that you could receive forgiveness and cleansing. And so you reciprocate his love. And in that perception of the holiness of God, the integrity of his love and the transcendence of his love in mercy to forgive is only the perception of what is ultimately trustworthy, which is the genuine fear of God. God is calling us as his people today to return to the genuine fear of God, to circumcise our hearts, to rend our hearts and not merely our garments, to know a deep turning in our hearts to God. It comes as we learn to be those that draw aside to seek him in prayer each day in our lives. Then we begin to feel the beauty of his grace flowing in our being. There are times of testing and trial where it may seem that we hardly experience it even subjectively, but it's so wonderful, the subjective experience of the rivers of living water flowing from your innermost being from the Spirit of God. God is calling us as his people in this hour to be those that restore what God wants to do in these last days. Yes, he will take his people into captivity in order to corner them to that place. And that's what we read in the last chapter of Amos. And I'll just read a little bit of it here. For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among the nations like as corn is sifted as a sieve yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. These were the ones that were so rebellious that fell away from God. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, would say, the evil shall not overtake or per nor prevent us. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth the seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt, and I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit thereof. This is the restoration of the last days. It is beginning to happen. It needs to happen in you as an individual and in the body of Christ. So do not let the enemy tempt you with the gods of amusement that would you would so that you would spend more time watching sports than prayer that you'd be caught up in the things that are temporal and be robbed of your eternal purpose oh if you only knew how glorious heaven is you don't want to be robbed of that it'll be brought out in my book god is calling us to repent and to become his house of prayer and holiness i've written a book which is on amazon called Godhead, ship, and body invasion. 
which is an outline of everything that should be in the local assembly, so that we do not limit the fullness of a headship of Jesus Christ from inhabiting the corporate assembly, his bride, so that he can find his resting place. When the glory of God comes down in your midst as it did in the Welsh revival, the darkness is broken over your community. Multitudes flee into your church even without you going out to share. Not that you shouldn't. Oh, you'll do it all the more. I will have to stop speaking at this time. The message is getting too long. So God bless you all and thank you for listening to this message. And I look forward to your prayers and support. Thank you.